This podcast is brought to you by ChannelFireball.com, your best source for all things magic. Hi, and welcome to Magic TV. I'm Andy Cooperfaust, editor of Channel Fireball, and I'm joined once again, as always, by Louis Scott Vargas. This time we're doing a top eight list that's pretty sweet, and again, it's pretty surprising that we haven't done. At one point, we ranked all the Planeswalkers, but it wasn't a top eight. Yeah, which is a distinction that is important, but it did did make me feel like we'd already done the list. Yeah, you know, it's got the brand now, so I think this is an important step. Plus, new Planeswalkers have come out. Planeswalker, step. Yeah. Do I get anything for that? (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) All right, so we're going to start at the bottom, and that's with Tezzeret Agent of Bullets. A little bit of a niche option, but still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Tezzeret is certainly powerful, and... uh, just takes too much work for most decks to really harness his power. I mean, you need a lot of artifacts in your deck to make both the plus one and the minuses both worth it. But Caleb managed to make this card work in Legacy. It got a little help from Commander with Baleful Strix. Yeah, I mean, there are some things going on, especially since he gets to play Ancient Tomb and City of Traders in the deck, which make it much more castable. And this this was the first Planeswalker that sort of exemplified the new school of Planeswalker design, which is that they're a little more narrow. You have to build around them a little bit. They do powerful things when they're doing good things, and you have to put in the work. Yeah, which I, I like better. I mean, I, it is much less fun when every, like, say, like this would had the same power level but much, you know, broader appeal. Then a lot of blue-black decks would just be playing it. You'd see an underground sea or a watery grave and think, okay, they might have a Tezzeret. But now it's like, if they're playing Tezzeret, they have to mean it. They right. they don't get just put it in your deck. So at number seven, we had a little trouble figuring <laughs> this one out, so we just didn't bother. At number seven, we've got Garuk, yeah. all of them. Yeah, I, I mean, even though Relentless, Primal Hunter, and then Color Beasts or whatever, whatever the, I don't even know what the original Garrick is called anymore, Wildspeaker. Wild yeah, there we go. It's uh, his name. Yeah, so <laughs> even though that these all do very different things and cost, you know, 4, 4, 5, and 6 mana, they still kind of occupy the same band of power, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just goes to show you that green is a little bit easier to, divide, to design for. Uh, they kind of always got it right from yeah. the very beginning and well, ever since. They all feel like a Garrick, and they all kind of have, again, a similar consistent power level, but they're, they're all they're always very, very green. Yeah, they're all very good, though. Or at, at least all of them have seen a reasonable amount of play. I mean, it's yet, uh, yet to be determined for a color of beasts, but all the rest of them saw a lot of play. Right. So next on the list, we've got the Karn Father himself. Yeah, which uh, I can't believe I almost forgot, but uh, he's one of the new Planeswalkers that is my personal favorite just because, I don't know, I love casting Karn and all the things that come with it, but... Uh, the fact that it costs seven does, again, narrow it down, which is another cool thing. This is a Planeswalker that's incredibly powerful, but you really do need to build your deck around him. You can't just put him in, well, any deck that can cast him, which is technically just about any deck. It just doesn't work that way. The fact that he eats other Planeswalkers is always a nice touch, and then you get the nice battle between Karn and Nicole Bolas. Exactly. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, anytime someone, uh, you know, tried to answer this, you know, what about this situation? It's like, oh, well, we have Karn for that. <laughs> and this isn't just a big, goofy seven-mana card that saw a lot of constructed play. It still sees play in Modern and Tron. It's one of yeah. the best cards. It, I mean, it certainly, like, I used it as a finisher in a lot of standard decks, uh, Rightfully or wrongfully so, I, I did like it as a kind of catch-all solution, and then in modern, pretty much universally in Tron, which can then cast it turn three. So next up on the list, we've got one that was never really unfair, but was a little oppressive, and that's Gideon. Yeah, Gideon, I mean, does a lot of basic, like, combat-oriented stuff. Like, if he's attacking you, it's not that big of a deal, it's just a 6-6, but mainly it's that it's forcing all your creatures to attack and not really get anywhere, and it's just picking off your creatures and smashing them one by one. Yeah. 
Gideon was rough, especially since he was at his best, I think, when uh, swords were pretty common, Sword of Feast and Famine and whatnot, and he blanked swords because instead of hitting your opponent getting all the triggers, your creatures had to just send them to Gideon, and it's kind of hard to kill Gideon with a Squadron Hawk with right. a sword on it. <laughs> it doesn't get you very far, and then he's always like lying around for any extra swords you might have. Exactly. So next on the list, we've got Jace Bellerin, the original Blue Planeswalker. Yeah, and this one saw a, a fairly low amount of play considering the power level. I think people just did not interpret exactly what was going on correctly, and I'm certainly, you know, to blame for that, too. Like, I, I didn't evaluate exactly how good Jace was. Raptor was one of the first people who just jammed four in every deck, and, you know, he was probably right. Yeah, Jace Bellerin is pretty innocuous. It just kind of sits there and ticks down a little bit, ticks up, ticks yeah. down, ticks down, and the fact suddenly that, you're, like, way ahead. Yeah, the fact that it only cost three was just so insane. I remember playing it in fairies and just, like, if you didn't have a Bitter Blossom, Jace was actually similar in terms of how much card advantage it could accumulate. So Jace Bellerin, as good as Bitter Blossom. Yeah, that's not exactly what I said, but I, I, we could go with the headline for that. <laughs> Next up, we've got Elspeth, and this is where the Planeswalkers start to get pretty oppressive. Yeah, Knight Errant uh, is responsible for probably a third of Killer's match wins lifetime. <laughs> and and really what, what she does is, if you're pressuring them, she comes into play and puts them under an incredibly more amount of pressure by sending their biggest creature to the skies with an additional plus three power. And if you're behind, you play Elspeth, and all of a sudden it's really hard to kill you or her because she goes up every turn and she provides a chump blocker every turn. Yeah, this one really shows how hard it is to design Planeswalkers because they were trying to do something new and interesting, but just by herself you play her and she does it all. Yeah. She defends, she attacks for she a She offends. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she, she's a, a beating. And she is also somewhat unique among Planeswalkers in that I think she's the Planeswalker who you could ultimate but don't the most. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I've seen her ultimate, you know, just not go off when she's at 9, 10, 11 counters, because you usually just want to keep keep making soldiers, keep giving them wings, and ultimating her when you're not getting attacked doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, that's the worst zealous conscripts on a planeswalker and then ultimate that I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's like, all right. Does nothing. <laughs> so, uh, number two, we've got a newcomer to the list. Rising in the ranks quickly, it's uh, the new Liliana, Liliana the Veil. Well, yeah, not I, new anymore, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, she's been out for a little while, and I think what, what she does best is she's just one of the best resource-attacking Planeswalkers. Like, when you play her, first of all, her you know she's an edict. She just kills one of their creatures right away. So against a, a board of just one creature, she's an insane play, just like most Planeswalkers, or at least the good ones. But also, she just ticks up every turn, and just it nukes both players, but it's not really fair. You're the one with the Liliana. You get to play around her. She also wins the... You know, award of Planeswalker that doesn't get activated the most. <laughs> I've definitely had Lilian in play not activated her for a bunch of turns because right. you don't want a plus one or sometimes. Yeah, she doesn't seem like she's overpowered. She just has like so much going on. She's just always good. Yeah, I, I do think she's at a pretty perfect power level in terms of she hit at a good power level for standard where she's good but not insane because there's a lot of things that counter her in standard like Thrag Tusk, Lingering Souls, Restoration Angel are all things that are just good at fighting Liliana. But she's insane in modern and legacy. So it's actually awesome when cards could come in and be good in standard but not oppressive, but also be just be very, very powerful in the older formats. Right. And part of the reason there is that everyone's running on much less resources. Everyone's running on you know less lands, less things in play, just lower Edicts get you farther. Yeah, lower curve and like you know for example against Scapeshift, just playing her in modern and just plus oneing makes it hard for them to hit their you know win condition of seven lands and playing Scapeshift in their hand because they have to discard a card every turn. So number one on the list, I imagine if we do top eight planeswalkers in five years. This will still be number one. Or, or more. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jace the Mind Sculptor. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to argue against Jace for pretty much any number of broken lists, including Planeswalkers, you know, I would say blue cards that aren't Ancestral Recall, that sort Magic of thing. Magic cards. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Managing probably has an argument there, too. But, uh, yeah, Jace the Mind Sculptor not only was one of the first standard bands in, I think, eight years at the time, yeah, uh, was also just banned in modern and is just a dominant force in Vintage and Legacy. 
this was the first time that they were like, okay, what, what can we really do with Planeswalkers? How far can we push it? And yeah. uh, they found it. <laughs> the answer was a little too far. With yeah. it, The funny thing is you could like remove one of Dace's abilities and he would still be insane. You could recost his abilities, he would still be insane. You could cost five, he would obviously be less insane in the older formats. He still would have been pretty insane in the newer ones. Right. Well, that wraps up the list. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to to argue against Jace's dominance as the best Planeswalker lineage overall, but uh, I, I would say that's not likely to change anytime soon. All right. Thanks for watching.